throughout the nation and around the globe. From his heart to yours, it's Dear James Live, bringing you intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions. Hello, beautiful soul family, and welcome to Weekly Wisdom and Insights, your home for spiritually guided transformation and empowerment. I am your host, Dear James, and together with the Unseen, Spirit, Source, and Symphony, we look at the current energies, we listen to the wisdom from the Unseen, and we go as guided. And this is all about our liberation and our empowerment and huge energies, huge shift coming up this week on Saturday. And we have somewhat like three main topics or themes for the energies and, and that will be rippling out. One is the number 17. It's January 17th. Powerful number, the number 17. Also about blue apples, which many of you may not know what that is, so bear with me. And then, of course, really top of mind for many, uh, certainly from astrology, uh, an astrology standpoint, is the Sun-Pluto conjunction and this uh, move, this first in a 246-year time frame that Pluto enters Aquarius. And we've been talking about this for months now. So that is happening on Saturday. So let's jump in. And as you're joining from around the globe, say hello, put a shout outs in the comments. And remember that I incorporate your comments and questions live and throughout the broadcast. So to no further delay, here's what we're looking at. Let's look at the main energies. So the main energies this week, it's 117-2024. All month long, the creative force, it's to initiate. And it's about initiating change and influence and our authentic selves. 17, this powerful number of 17, it's about following, be led, show by example. And following isn't like following others in that sense per se. It's about following your soul source connection, your intuitive knowing, because that is your soul connection. And thereby it's guiding you to a higher experience, a higher example. It's an eight year, 2024, all year long. It's an eight year. It's about uniting, coming together. It's about the pieces of us, the shadow and the light, the purity of the void, the purity of the light. This unification coming together, as well as us then unifying with each other. Then we have the one and the 17 and the seven of uh, the eight of the 2024 becomes a 25. Welcome, Deborah. And this was very interesting because, of course, normally in numerology, you add the single digits, which become a 16, which is about enthusiasm. And however, this time the unseen was guiding me to add the number, leave the number 17 whole, whole and complete. And thus we get the 25. Welcome, Alicia. And it's about 25 is about innocence and how we open to what is before us, what was before us and what is literally before us to come. And that it's innocence because 16, enthusiasm, innocence, it's to be childlike. And remember, in, in scripture, in Christian scripture, it says, you know, to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to be childlike. And childlike meaning innocent, pure, good, this type of, of energy and essence. And last but not least, 
the 25 or the 16 become a 7. Of course, that was last year's energy, 7. Army, correct discipline, that we have everything. We have this legion with us, whether it's earth angels or heavenly angels, the unseen. These are the energies that we are working with and that we have everything we need. At every moment of every day, we have everything we need. It's just about tapping into it. It's about the realization that that is true. It's not airy-fairy, you know, pie in the sky. It's true. And all we need to do to invoke it, to connect with it, is to sit still and say, okay, God, source, symphony, higher power, what is it that I'm to do? What's the answer to this question or dilemma? It's connecting in a higher mind, higher octave. So these are the energies that we're working with. Now let's look, I'm going to jump ahead and tackle the, the big elephant in the room, and elephant meaning auspicious elephant. I mean, just gorgeous Sun-Pluto conjunct together. And they are at the very last degree. So coming up on Saturday, the 20th, the Sun and Pluto will be literally right next to each other like twins. And you're going to see a lot of doubles twinning or doubles in the energies this week and what's rippling out. The point is, they, the Sun and Pluto, on the 20th, about 2 o'clock-ish, 12, 1, um, it's going, to, and, and by the way, that's uh, Greenwich Mean Time. So that is going to be where the Sun and Pluto are at the final degree and the final arc minute of Capricorn. It's like the, the last click on the clock before the sun then moves into Aquarius first and right behind it, Pluto enters Aquarius. And again, Pluto entering Aquarius and officially being there first time in 246 years. French and American revolutions, industrial revolution. So all of this liberation, freedom, advancement, so it's, it's game-changing. So this is from astrobutterfly.com. January 24 is quite a month. Pluto makes a very bold move into Aquarius. Can we emphasize this ingress enough? Question mark. Making a very important shift from the Capricorn to the Aquarius sector of your natal chart, of your birth chart, of our human experience. As above, so below. Things are very interesting indeed, since the first three weeks of January are very heavy in Capricorn energy, Earth energy, with Sun, Mars, Mercury, and then later Venus in Capricorn. But then on Saturday, January 20th, 2024, everything seems to change when Pluto and the Sun move into Aquarius. They go on to say, as I get to it here, as the sun conjuncts Pluto at 29 degrees, 59 uh, minutes, arc minutes, in Capricorn, this is the last degree and the last second of the sign of Capricorn. This is literally the very end of the sign of Capricorn. Sun and Pluto enter hand in hand into the sign of Aquarius. This is big. The sun-Pluto conjunction will give us clarity around the major 
15-year milestone we're completing. So think from 2009 to 2024, that 15-year cycle. It's a milestone that we're completing as well as the upcoming two decades, 20 years, Pluto and Aquarius chapter of our lives. So this is welcome calling big shift, big time. It's and and what's so beautiful, January 17th, 117, from a 2000 plus year story, January 17th is huge in um relation to the continuation of the teachings of Master Jesus by Mary Magdalene into Europe, into the south of France. Um, and thereby, there are many ties, as you'll see when we get to Blue Apples, you will see. And what's fascinating is there is a connection between the crucifixion and resurrection and coming forward this moment that proceeds it all the way back with the Exodus. So there's a connection where Jacob and Caleb go in and spy in the land of Canaan before they actually enter it. And these two events are connected and they have to do with blue apples. So you can see that there's there's such lineage and, and history. We stand on the shoulder of giants. Uh, we have emphasized that. The unseen has emphasized that so much. And this is individually too. Remember, we are who we are in this incarnation. So you are Deborah, you are Alicia, you are Colleen, you are dear James in this lifetime. Who were you before? Who were we, 8 billion souls on the planet? Who were these 8 billion souls before? We stand on the shoulder of giants. And so Continuing with the theme, I'm going to put my specs on here. Continuing with the theme, I'm going to share my screen, and we're going to go to Pam Youngins from North Point Journal. Um, she's a wonderful astrologer, and uh, she speaks to this Pluto moment. So she says, transition. Welcome, Olivia. We enter a powerful transitional phase this week initiated by the sun's alignment with Pluto in the final degree of Capricorn and their side-by-side -side ingress into the next sign. Thus begins a four-week time frame in which the remaining personal planets, first Mercury, then Mars, then Venus, all conjoin dynamic Pluto in the first degree of progressive Aquarius. So imagine how we think, how we act, and how we love are all going to conjoin in the next few weeks. Pluto in this progressive change into Aquarius. So personal planets conjuncting with these, uh, with this extraordinary change. Although Pluto dipped, in, it dipped its toe into Aquarius briefly last year, from March 23rd to June 1st, none of the other planets, except for, fast moving, for the fast-moving moon, conjoined the dwarf planet while it was in the 11th sign. They seem to have been waiting until 2024 to really welcome Pluto to its, into its new terrain. As each of the personal planets aligns with Pluto over the next four weeks, events that occur should provide new clarity on what we can expect during its 20-year transit through Aquarius. So from an astrologer's standpoint, there's a lot happening in these first three months, and then we have a Jupiter-Uranus uh, conjunction that occurs in April. So really the first four months are like game-changing, setting a new tone. 
and where we're going and what we're to experience. And remember, uh, Colleen and I had an exchange about this. Remember that there will be some, because they said to us, you know, it's not going to be all smooth sailing, but that does not mean that the challenges, aka opportunities that may arise for us or come up, aren't beneficial. They are. They are always beneficial. And so just remember that to ebb and flow, to move with the energy, because it's Aquarius, it's air. So this is all about fluidity and movement and expansive change, rising, raising us up to who we are. She goes on, Pam Youngins goes on to say, Pluto and Aquarius. Pluto has a very long journey around the sun, taking 248 Earth years to complete one orbit. The last time the planet of transmutation was in independent, rebellious Aquarius was from 1777 to 1797. History records that the American and the French Revolutionary Wars were fought during those years, resulting in major changes in the power structures within each country. In keeping with the Aquarian themes of individual and societal rights, published works included The Rights of Man by Thomas Paine and A Vindication of the Rights of Women by Mary Wollstonecraft. And astronomers discovered and named the idiosyncratic, sideways-spinning planet Uranus. Uranus, expect the unexpected. Uh, Aquarius, this liberation sign that, that represents, the, it, you know, um, it's rebellious. It's, it's breaking all the norms. It's advancing us. And then here's Pluto, the planet of transmutation. You get the story. You get the idea. that it's, And look at how it liberates the rights of man the vindication of the rights of women. So we're talking about the advancement, the liberation of us, of humanity. And then here, this the uh, the discovery of planet Uranus, which gave rulership of which was given rulership of Aquarius by astrologers. During the Pluto in Aquarius years from 1532 to 1553, and it's fascinating because. With astrology, you can look back, and then with historic, with the historical record, you can overlay the heavens, the stars, the planets over the history to see how it connects. Copernicus published his work entitled On the Revolutions of the Heavenly Spheres. This paper explained the scientist's controversial Aquarian theory that the Earth orbits the sun, not the other way around. With this in mind, it is interesting to conjecture what revolutionary ideas will become accepted as fact over the course of the next 20 years. What galaxies, what life systems, what otherworldly beings may be discovered will show up. Will they're, they're present and they exist now. It's just to what degree do we see them? Are we open to see them? And how does this period in time accelerate that relationship and that awareness? From 2024 to 2044, while the planet named for the god of the underworld transits Aquarius, we expect to see major social reforms, new theories and revolutionary ideas, and life-altering advancements in technology, space travel, communications, and consciousness, consciousness, higher mind, soul source connection, how we think, Mercury, how we think. 
Uranus, higher mind. And although Pluto's foray into Aquarius in 2023 was brief, there have already been significant revelations regarding the existence of intelligent life elsewhere in the universe. In the United States, Congress has passed an unidentified anomalous phenomena, a UAP disclosure bill. Although the bill does not declassify all government documents about UFO sightings, it is one sign that a shift in mass consciousness is underway. And just a little footnote here, she goes on further down, she said, other dates to watch for more insights into the effects of Pluto and Aquarius are February 5th, where Mercury is conjunct Pluto, February 13th, Mars is conjunct Pluto, and February 17th, Venus conjunct Pluto in Aquarius. So these elements, these energies, this powerful shift takes place on Saturday. And again, it's a 20-year arc. However, we should begin to see significant change, significant shifts in world affairs, how we think, how we operate, what continues to collapse the, the previous Piscean era, and what rises, what advances. And remember, we have this because it, it goes with the first item from the unseen. And they said, blowing the lid off of the past. So blowing the lid off of the past. The word resurrection with an exclamation point. And then I heard amaji. So again, here's our image, amaji. It's a Sumerian word, means return to the mother. And it literally represents the first mention of freedom, monomission, being released of debts. And so, of course, it is about to be in alignment with this. And, and yes, it's, uh, as Colleen is saying, male energy dominates control. It is about the collapse of those energies. And again, it is not to vilify the divine masculine, the patriarchal rule, the Piscean era. Has it had its, it, it, you know, again, shadow and light. It has some of the best of the best creative force, the ability to initiate a, a healthy ego mind personality. All of those are divine masculine aspects. It's, it's only when those aspects fall into the shadow side of the divine masculine, the patriarch, that we get into trouble. Uh, humans get into trouble. However, the era before us, the world before us, the one that came before and the one that's arriving, the one in front of us. Remember, when you look back Renaissance times, the, the, the troubadours, these poets and everything, the divine masculine revered the feminine. They revered them. There was a time where that was cherished. It was sacred. And thereby, there's a return to that form of divine patriarch, of chivalry and, and divine masculine and so forth. So we are cleansing Pluto. We're cleansing out Pluto and Capricorn. We're cleaning out the underbelly of things, the shadow of it, and we're coming into the light. So, well, Colleen is saying we don't have to. They are doing that themselves. Yes, of course, but we do. 
because we all play a role. And this is so vitally important. Stay centered just because you operate from a place of grace and discernment and responsiveness doesn't mean that you condone a lesser action. Just don't contribute to the lesser action as well. Because if we demonize it, we're adding, we're contributing to what we say we don't like. Because that, of course, is what the shadow element of the divine masculine has done. It demonizes, oppresses, suppresses, controls, all of these things. Well, we don't want to contribute to that energetic. So we want to be centered, aligned, and looking forward to the matriarchal, divine feminine, the return of that, and this resurrection of the divine feminine. The beauty of the fact that she, with the unseen, we're blowing the lid off of the past, exclamation point, resurrection, exclamation point, Amaji, return to the mother. And the return to the mother is the nourishment, the value, the goodness. It's, it's, it's literally what, it's the irony. It's what we teach our children, and yet then we grow up to be adults and we abandon what you want that you've been taught or what you're teaching your children. Begs the question, why are you teaching them if you're going to abandon it? However, not to digress. The second item from the Unseen 2B, they said, it's the song, but it, the lyrics, no more tiptoe through the tulips. And this is where, so it's a song, I believe it, uh, Tiny Tim remade it, made it very popular. But the Unseen was saying to us, no more tiptoe through the tulips. So in other words, it's, there's no more soft pedaling. And, you know, it, it's because what came right behind it was absolute advance. And here's our beautiful image from a while ago of the word advance and that kind of orange golden light. But they're saying no more tiptoe through the tulips, absolute advance, absolute adventure, adventure, new, things that invoke new experiences. And it's, it's, they're showing me the Wizard of Oz, like follow the yellow brick road. It was an adventure. And that adventure ultimately led to, you had your trusted companion, like, like the fool in the tarot, the hero's journey. Dorothy, Toto, so there's the fool with their trusted companion, the dog, and then, of course, she meets the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion, a brain, a heart, and courage, grace. And ultimately, the adventure was about realizing she had everything she needed to return home. She had it all along. It wasn't outside of her. It wasn't the Wizard of Oz when they pull back the curtain and, oh, it's really not, quote-unquote, God or a higher source. It's someone emulating. And yet, oh, you've had it all along. It's internal. It's within us. That's that uh, army, legions, correct discipline. We have it all. So let me move into um, our main theme. Our main theme is blue apples. The mystery surrounds us. And then the word Stargate, because you will see how Blue Apples most likely has to do with 
a stargate, a way of moving between worlds, realms. But again, remember these blue apples all the way back to Exodus before entering the land of Canaan, the land of milk and honey, and then the resurrection, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Master Jesus, and 117. So our, our main theme is blue apples. And it specifically has to do with January 17th. It is the feast day of St. Anthony. And this, and you'll see here in a minute, um, in the tiny village of Rennes-le-Chateau in France, there is a, um, a mystery about a small, a small parish and a small parish priest who purportedly stumbles upon um, a treasure that takes this little hamlet in its parish, church, and so forth from rags to riches, and unexplainably so, um, and how it ties back to what might be, quote-unquote, that, that mystery treasure, this hidden treasure that has never been explained, that has been protected, and how that ties with Mary Magdalene and Master Jesus, um, purportedly their offspring, and a bloodline, and the Merovingian kings, the first kings of France, the Merovingian kings of France, and this ongoing lineage of what's considered royal blood, um, meaning of Master Jesus and Mary Magdalene and their offspring. It's very fascinating. And these blue apples, in this church, there is a window. It's called the Lazarus window. And on January 17th, today, at noon, the sun arcs through the window, pierces the window, and blue orbs form all around the head of Master Jesus on the altar in this church. They also appear other places, um, you know, obviously as the, as the sun shifts, but in essence, the point that they're making, and this church, by the way, it's a Catholic church, and it is probably the, the most heretical, <laughs> um, and yet stands to this day. So um, it's quite interesting that these blue apples, these blue orbs, form around the crown of Master Jesus in this uh, church. So this is our main theme. I'm setting up the story, and then we'll go into it deeper. Um, here are the astro influences, as we mentioned. On January 20th, the sun conjunct Pluto. This is on Saturday at that last degree of Capricorn. And then, of course, on the same day, first the sun enters Aquarius. They're literally hand in hand. And then Pluto enters right with the sun, right behind it. And as astrobutterfly.com said, this is big. This is a big deal. Because literally the sun, our life force, is walking hand in hand with Pluto, the underworld ushering in unity doubles walking together to usher in a new era it's it's profound it's it's unmistakable it's not like it's not pluto walking alone and then literally again mars mercury and venus boom 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 like in a procession um and you've just we've just had you know the coronation of course of king charles but just recently in Denmark, of King Frederick X. So this changing of the guard, 
and this advancement into the new. These are symbols of these same things. They're occurring right at this moment. So the abdication of Queen uh, Margaret and then her son taking the throne. And remember, royalty represented um, the gods, the uh, god, the, the higher hand, and so forth. So now let's look, and I want to show you quickly the astrological chart. This is for January 20th, right at, um, I believe it's right at 2 o'clock uh, Greenwich Mean Time. And again, Blue Apples, Stargate. So the image you see, of course, there's the Ben Ben. Um, I mean, the Bennu bird, and then the Ben Ben stone in 2024, a capstone moment. So this year is a capstone moment, the capstone of the pyramid, the all-seeing eye, higher mind, a higher octave. It's it's the way that, that they're saying the unseen is giving this to me right now is, again, imagine the base of the pyramid. It's two-thirds of the pyramid is this wide, heavy base. And then there's a a separation of the upper third, the capstone, as though it's floating above the base. And so, and that it represents the higher mind, the all-seeing eye. And so imagine that we have been in this, for 2,000 plus years, in this very weighted, anchored, Piscean-era, um, earthly, earthbound, weighted, earthbound experience. And all of a sudden, we're shifting to the upper third of ourselves. We're releasing the fixed portion, and we're moving into the flow, to the fluid portion of our existence, of our being, of our abilities, our capabilities, our, our experience, our divinity. And on this image, you see again this stargate, this rippling out effect of that. In the center, it's the natal chart four, we have double capstones. You'll see a very solid blue line across the bottom. Um, and that is where on the right side is the sun and Pluto. On the left side is the moon. And at the pinnacle point is Neptune. That's one capstone, one triangle. Then if you look, you kind of shift just to the right about just before one o'clock you'll see a second capstone in blue. The bottom right of it um, is pointing to Mercury and Mars. The upper left uh, uh, part is Jupiter. And its capstone is Saturn. Its pinnacle point is Saturn. So we have double, you know, and it was number four and foundational. The unseen said, boom, double boom, a double capstone moment. Thereby, they're, they're meaning, it's like, what they're, what they're talking to us about here is like double shifts, double um, advancements at play. So again, be mindful individually how you may shift and boom, double boom, changing jobs, changing relationships, changing residences, places, changing cities. Major advancements, changing careers, changing mindsets, things that will happen in, in, in a double, in doubles. Boom, double, boom. Whatever the shift is, it is for your highest and best. 
So flow with that, in, and this goes back to the, the exchange that Colleen and I had. View this, no matter what it is, view it from a higher place, a higher mind. Because you'll want to see the beauty of the benefit of it. It is not to harm. It is not to hurt. It will always be to advance. And that is the, the point here. So we have these double, boom, double, boom, these double capstones that are at play. Um, I want to move into, let me get to it. So 17, so the number 17 is big. And again, the unseen had us look at the number 17. Normally you would add the one and seven together. They were like, no, 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 no. You leave 17 whole. So the number 17 is associated with victory, the restoration of all things, spiritual perfection, and perfect order. The first time the number occurs in the Bible is significant. Genesis 7, 11. And remember, 117, 711. 117, 711 represent the master's journey. The master's journey. And let me just bring this up. I'm going to bring up our, because this is really important, the magician. We had this in last week's show, and they were showing this to us. The magician is the first card after the fool. The fool is the zero card. The magician is the first card in the tarot. Second card, but first, number one. The star is the 17th card. One, one, seven, seven, one, one. And they are saying to us, the unseen is saying to us, this is about spiritual perfection, perfect order, this time, this restoration of all things. And something I missed in the show the other week, and I hadn't, I just saw it, and we had talked about the Ouroboros. When you look very closely at the belt that the magician is wearing in the tarot, it is a serpent eating itself. It's the Ouroboros. So it's literally a, a belt, an Ouroboros belt. And again, the magician, as above, so below, and all, you have everything you need. You have the pentacles, you have the cups, you have the swords, you have the wands, you have the beautiful lilies and roses, all of the, the nourishment and the everything. You have the infinity symbol. It demonstrates our divinity. And it demonstrates our ability to manifest, to create, with, in harmony with, as above, so below, harmony. And then the star, she is literally pouring soma, wisdom, divine soma, divine wisdom, into the waters of life, into the earth. And it is that star, and the star that's above her head, the, the bright gold star, is the star that is in the lantern of the hermit. So it literally illuminating our steps forward. So I just wanted to bring this up because it is um, Olivia saying, I did see the serpent eating itself. That is how um, it's, it is not that it's about, it's not that it's associated with evil. It's about the, the, um, the continuity the evolution of things, where it consistently reincarnates itself. Evolution. 
Um, in certain aspects, it can speak to that, but its but its main um, meaning is not about evil. It is about evolution, incarnation, reincarnation, the evolution, the continuity of um, our evolution. So to go on with, so number 17, and it says, Genesis 7:11, in the in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, on the mountains of Ararat. So 17 is representing the this very important in terms of, from a Christian perspective and, and telling, but remember, the, the Bible is based on Judaic, which is based on Sumerian, Egyptian, Sumerian. And so it goes on to say that, in essence, God prevailed over the sinners of the earth when wiping away the sin that was there because of the deluge, the flood. The earth was restored and God returned the earth to perfection. It goes on to say that Master Jesus was resurrected on the 17th. Jesus rose from the grave on the 17th day of the month. We know this because Passover is on the 14th day of the first month on the Hebrew calendar. On the 14th day of the first month is the Passover of the Lord. Jesus died on Passover. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed. For us, then they led Jesus from uh, then they led Jesus from Cephas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat at the Passover. But you have a custom. This is Cephas. You, uh, but you have a. I'm sorry, um, not Cephas. Um, it'll come to me. Sorry. Um, but you have a custom that I should release someone to you at Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Now it was the preparation day of the Passover, and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. Jesus was in the grave for three days and three nights, and he rose on the seventeenth day of the month. He had victory over death and conquered death by rising on the seventeenth day. Jacob was uh, reunited with his son for seventeen years. There's all of these, pardon me, there are all of these biblical references, pardon me, to the power of the day of the 17th and to the restoration, the resurrection, pardon me, these things that are very important about the day of the 17th. Little, it's winter time, everyone. I apologize. Tickle in my throat. So as you see, the number 17 is about follow, be led. Our greatest example from a Christianity standpoint is the crucifixion and resurrection of Master Jesus and the example being set. Follow. Be led, show by example, and about restoration, about the purity of, 
And this is what we've been all talking about. It's about being aligned, be ready. Let me just go to that because it's number six. The unseen gave us six F, faith. And they said, a higher plane of existence exists. Heed the call, align, go. So again, blue apples, an orb, a stargate, a higher plane of existence exists. Heed the call, align, go. Let me move to blue apples because I want to bring all of this in and tie it together for you. Because it's it's a lot. Um, and yet it's so profound. And if I, there we go. So, and this is from William Henry. Uh, and William Henry is a Nashville-based author, investigative mythologist, and TV presenter. He is an internationally recognized authority on human spiritual potential, transformation, and ascension. You may know of him and see him on many um, ancient aliens and uh, many different TV shows and stuff. And he's written many books. This is from a post that he did on January 10th, 2018, roughly a week ago, five years ago. So, and this is where he's talking about many things, but he's talking about blue apples. And and there's an image here that I want to bring up. I'm going to share my screen with you all of you, and then you can see. So this is from this post on his website. And the sole spiritual quest of all humans is to follow the way of Christ and reclaim our spiritual garment of light. Blue apples. As recorded in the book of Numbers 13, Joshua, or Yehoshua, the Old Testament name for Jesus, along with a companion, Caleb, was dispatched by Moses to the mysterious valley of Eshel, valley of the cluster as in grapes, the promised land of Canaan, where he spied on the sons of Anak who were living there. The sons of Anak are described not as humans, but as giants, mighty men of renown. We saw the children of, of Anak there, the spies reported. We saw the giants, those men of a prodigious size, the, uh, the sons of Anak, which come, which come of giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight, meaning they were so great or so large or so luminous that they felt that Caleb and Jacob felt, I'm sorry, Joshua, felt as though they were grasshoppers in size. Um, they are stronger than humans, said Joshua. In a daring story reminiscent of Jack and the Beanstalk, we learn that when the spies left the vineyard of the giants, they stole a branch heavy with the grapes of the Anunnaki and returned them to Moses along with a warning. Um, the land that eateth up the people, that eateth the people up. This very strange statement has been interpreted to mean that the land did not provide enough food for the people. This is belied by the fact that this vineyard is located in the land of milk and honey. In essence, how could it be that there's not enough? It's literally the, the promised land, the land of milk and honey. So of course it would have everything it needs. Joshua must have, been, must have seen something extraordinary, but not beyond his comprehension. After all, he accompanied Moses when he ascended Mount Sinai and saw God in the burning bush. He operated the Ark of the Covenant, which functioned as a sort of teleportation device for Yahweh. He commanded the sun to stand still. 
he succeeded Moses, who was trained in all the wisdom of the Egyptians as leader of the Israelites. With his esoteric background, Joshua must have been using a shorthand term Moses would have understood when describing what he saw at Eshel. I have interpreted, this is William Henry, I have interpreted this cryptic phrase as meaning the Anak were operating a gateway into and from the promised land. Joshua and Caleb saw people walking along the surface of the earth and they suddenly vanished. This is where the, the earth eateth up the people. One minute they're there, the next minute they vanish. They went through a stargate of the gods. The oversized cluster grapes symbolized its secrets. They may have come from the otherworldly land this gateway connects to. What kind of grapes are so heavy they require two men to lift? Are they grapes at all? Could they be symbolic of mysterious floating blue stones? Are they the uh, of the uh, mysterious floating blue stones of Moses? Or an otherworldly substance? The Bible is mute concerning what Moses um, did with the grapes of the gods. This is strange considering they possibly represent the core secrets of the Nephilim. Now this image here is where you can tie this moment, because here's Master Jesus on the, cru the crucifixion, and below, as you'll see here in a minute, Joshua and Caleb reappear as the two thieves at the crucifixion. They bring the oversized uh, cluster of grapes they stole from the Nephilim. Esoterically, this means these two events are linked. Because why would they be connected in this manner? So again, a stargate, otherworldly. And note, a cluster of grapes that require two men to carry them. This is unheard of in, in our lifetime of understanding. And yet, here it is depicted from these events. However, in 1607, engraving by Neverlandish engraver Hieronymus Wierix from the British Museum, we see the two spies, or the two, or are they thieves, carrying the heavy grapes of the promised land on a pole or staff and delivering them to the glorification slash crucifixion. Christ is on the cross surrounded by bunches of grapes and a radiant gateway behind him. The dove of the Holy Ghost descends from Sion. What are these grapes doing at the crucifixion unless they are the keys to the stargate? There is little doubt that this powerful engraving inspired the master of Sion's secrets, himself, the illustrious painter, Nicholas Poussin, by uniting, and by the way, Rennes-le-Chateau 117, Blue Apples, there are two, and the mystery secrets, there are two painters, Renaissance painters. One is Nicholas Poussin, and the other is David Tenier's, uh, Tenier Jr., the lesser. By uniting the grapes and the ladder, that's of the grapes of Sion, open the ladder to the gateway to heaven. Yeah, Colleen is saying we are watching that in real time. Exactly. There's this, and see here again, this painting by Poussin. And it says, the grapes of the promised land by artist Nicholas Poussin, note the illuminated hole in the ground behind Joshua and Caleb. So when they get behind them, this opening. As recorded in Numbers 13, Joshua and Caleb steal the oversized, oversized grapes from, of Sion from the sons of Anak, the offspring of the watchers. 
In Poussin's version of this episode, he connects the grapes with a ladder extending into a tree. It is interesting to recall that in the great, uh, in the great perfection tradition, the fruit is a symbol of self-realization. This is an image of William Henry in southern France, and he says, I have traced these secrets to southern France, where the grapes of the promised land are referred to as blue apples. Legends say uh, the Anak are still there. So what did Jesus do with the fruit of the promised land, these grapes of Sion? According to the Codex Brucianus, he made a light body or resurrection body out of them. Now remember, the first thing the unseen said, before we ever, I even started researching and putting this together for today's show, blowing the lid off of the past, resurrection. And here, William Henry is speaking to the blue apples, the Exodus, the, the land of Canaan, Joshua and Caleb coming back with these blue apples, and then they're appearing again at the crucifixion of Master Jesus, and this he made a light body or resurrection body out of them. Resurrection. And the Codex Brucianus, called the Gnosis of the Light, is a Gnostic text brought at uh, Medinet Habu in Egypt for Scottish traveler James Bruce in 1769. It was translated at Oxford by scholar Carl Schmidt in 1892. It contains the first and second books of Jew and three fragments, an untitled text which tells of the Sethius, an untitled hymn, and the text on the passage of the soul through the archons of the mist. This text says, For Jesus, the fruit of the aeons became a body of light. He crossed the aeons of the ind indivisible, body until he came to the alone begotten who is the monad and who dwells in peace and solitude to of course what's known as the father he received the grace of the alone begotten that is to say his christhood or his perfecting also he received the eternal crown and remember they were saying to us in last week's show it's about finishing the race it's about the crown of righteousness he is he is the father of all light hyphen sparks, the chief of the immortal bodies. In other words, Jesus used the heavy blue grapes, stones, to make, and remember, stones, the Ben-Ben stone, Jacob's ladder. He lay, he took a nap or fell asleep upon, with his head resting upon a stone um, to make his light body and to open the stargate to Sion. This is the secret of the Nephilim. So, while this is certainly otherworldly, all of this that we're discussing, that is exactly the point. This is the age of Aquarius, the age of enlightenment, the age of the divine feminine, the divine matriarch, and this resurrection, this return. And it's about the the impossible being the possible anything's possible all ancient societies speak to and it doesn't matter where it where on the globe whether it's in mexico the mayans the in peru um in christianity the sumerians all these different societies speak to otherworldly or the gods god the gods assisting humans and it says to us at some point, they were with us. 
Then they, quote unquote air quotes, go away, so to speak, but they don't go away. It's just the veil is stronger. And the message here is about the alignment. Heed the call, be aligned, and go. Why? Because the number five, five is about change, and three and five go together. So I hear you knocking, but you can't come in, which I didn't tell you all. So I hear you knocking, but you can't come in, is number three. And then I heard the word peace, and then immediately followed by the song by Kelly Clarkson, Peace by Peace. And, and the song is about, um, in this instance, what they're saying is, Piece by piece, you collected me up off the floor where you abandoned things. Uh, piece by piece, you made me believe again in, in man and in the father who would stay. I'm paraphrasing the lyrics. This is spoken from the standpoint of the father of this. Because in Matthew 25, and let me just bring this up. Um, there is something, it, it speaks to the midnight messenger. And so number three is, I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. Peace, and then piece by piece, this being reassembled, saved, nourished. And five is, the stargate of awakening opens. So blue apples, stargate. The stargate of awakening opens. You choose your choice. And it, these two things connect to Matthew 25, which is known about the midnight messenger. And it says, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom, the bridegroom being Master Jesus. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Now, we have talked about midnight at the strike of midnight that has been in the shows for the last two plus years. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins, aro virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should be not enough for us and you and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. They hadn't done the works. They were being foolish. They weren't aligned. They weren't ready. They weren't in alignment with divinity, the divine feminine, the, the arc of destiny. And so they said, to, so the wise said to the foolish, no, go, go find it for yourselves. Go do the works. Go, go purchase it. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins, the five, the foolish, came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. 
And remember, yes, this can speak to the end times and it can speak to, but remember, it's about a whole new order, a whole new way, the end of a time, the end of an era, and the beginning of a new one. And are you caught up? Are you part of the wedding, the glory? Or are you unprepared, foolish, and don't have everything you need um, because you were looking in the wrong place? You weren't, or you didn't believe, or whatever it may be. I know these are big, heavy topics, <laughs> and I, I apologize in the sense that it is putting a lot together. However, it's that big. It is this big shift for humanity, for the time, the era, um, and the things that have been spoken to for millennia. And this has been a part of our journey in the Weekly Wisdom and Insights and, and our soul family. They have been, they, the unseen, Spirit, Source, and Symphony, have been preparing us for this. And they keep reflecting this higher truth and for us to align and empty our vessels and be pure about the way we go about life. You know, don't sweat the small stuff, so to speak. And how we focus and place our energy. Where are we placing our focus? Do we have the oil in our vessel along with our lamp? ready, ready to go, ready to move forward, ready to ascend in that sense. Um, last but not least, our mantra doubles to sheep. Innocence reborn, innocence released. Innocence reborn, childlike, that enthusiasm to be childlike, and this adorable image, in my humble opinion, the, the adorable image of these two infant sheep, and then innocence released, meaning to permeate outward, to embody it so as to emit it, release it. That is our mantra, innocence reborn, innocence released. And to keep in mind again, because they wanted me to bring this up, it was the mantra from last week's show, slow and steady wins the race. It is to stay focused because, again, you know, the, the hair taking the nap, representing the fools, running around, getting distracted, arrogance, hubris, thinking that they know all and so forth, only to be overtaken, only to lose, to be overtaken, to be left out of the party, out of the wedding. Because slow and steady wins the race. Grace, humility wins the race. Love wins the race. Love conquers all. That, and last but not least as well, our quote, double apples, golden apples, apples representing wisdom. Um, I'll come to that, Colleen. When you return from the darkness with gold, others will naturally follow. It's so important to remember People don't follow intimidation and fear and so forth. I mean, they do in a sense, but it's not natural. It's not innate. It's a shadow element. People endear themselves to great leaders. Great leaders, 17, follow, show by example, that demonstrate 
noblesse oblige, nobility, chivalry, kindness, goodness, they will go to the ends of the earth for someone who empowers them, liberates them, rises them, instills the best in them, encourages that. And note the difference. We all have experienced this in our own lives, that truth. The difference between someone that leads by example with such grace and humility and um, empowerment in that way that's building people up to, to be their very best versus someone who's just completely breaking people down. They're two different experiences. And the unseen is saying to us, a higher plane of existence exists. Heed the call, align, go. The stargate of awakening opens. It's your choice. You choose to not be left out of the party. Colleen is saying slow and steady is brutal as an Aries. Yes. However, what's so beautiful about Aries being the first out of the gate is they have the creative force. They have all the initiative and drive. It doesn't occur to them that something can't be done or isn't possible. Their Achilles heel, their shadow, is that too much may be possible and they get fragmented and dispersed. So the message of slow and steady wins the race for, for all the Aries listening and, and for the Aries aspect of us in our own individual selves because we all have it. It may not be our sun sign, but we have it. Is heed the call, align, go as guided, go in that way. And that will help us. And last but not least, mindful of the time, it's number seven. So again, this all culminates in a number seven. And the seventh item is, they said, the foundation of God's word. And remember, we had this image. The seven represents the foundation of God's word, the completion, the divine fulfillment, the perfection. And that is what this message, this entire message of the blue apples to the number 17, to the midnight messenger, um, to the sun Pluto in Aquarius conjunction, all of this represents the divine, the fulfillment, and the foundation of God's word, divine perfection, perfected order, the restoration, the resurrection of it. And again, while it may look in this moment on the world stage, what we're seeing is the, is the dismantling, the crumbling of the old order. It goes away. And the new order arises. And you're either going to be right on time to the wedding or you're going to be left out. It's one of the two. So with that, I adore all of you. Thank you for bearing with me in, the, in a very uh, heavy, meaningful, and important uh, week of messages from the unseen and, and the current energies. Blue apples, the stargate, the mystery surrounds us, and to be ready. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Until then, be well, be good with each other, and stay centered and focused. Slow and steady wins the race. Until then, I'll see you next week, everyone. You've been listening to Dear James Live. Gain intuitive insight, answers, and advice to your life questions and so much more by tuning in next week and visiting 
DearJames.com. 